Every American heart And it's time we stand and sing Welcome you guys to Let's Talk Politics With Frederick Wilson and Kathy Taylor Appreciate you tuning in It is April the 6th, 2020 We've had 20 years in 2000 Kathy, you know that? Isn't that crazy? 20 years, I remember Y2K was coming out We're supposed to all be dead by now <laughs> We're going to be dead because all the computers shut down, everything we're going. We got 20 years into Y2K. That's a crazy thing, but guess what? We had another crisis as usual. We got another crisis. The corona going to kill us all. But we had a couple. We can talk about a few crises going on. I just thought about that. You know, stuff that come to my mind. We said nothing about this. <laughs> we'll talk about it. We'll just pop it up later on. But we got a show for you guys. We got a show for you. And I hope you guys are ready for some great information. I hope you guys are ready to, to just flow with it. We're going we're gonna to flow today and uh, kind of go with whatever you want to go with and things that we pop up with. But, of course, you know the uh, major topic is the coronavirus and what's going on in the world today. So we're bringing some the latest and the statistics and how people are responding and how people feel about it, and maybe what you you want to do. Or you, maybe you can tell us some of your coronavirus stories or something you can do that you're coping with uh, dealing with the coronavirus. And uh, maybe you can have something to share that we can all benefit from. I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting fatter, and I don't like it. <laughs> I'm getting fatter. I'm trying to get down to my to my fighting weight. You know, you uh, they say you build your summer bodies in the winter. But, man, <laughs> I'm blubbering up like a uh, – it's hard out here when everything is closed down, but um, we, we got a, we got a great show, and we're gonna talk about um, we got to do our Black history and our history this day in history. We got some good Black history going on today too, and some good uh, history in general, American history. Um, so we got that going on, but we hope you stay tuned. We appreciate you listening. It's nine one seven nine three two one zero seven eight. That is the call number. I'll say it again: nine one seven nine three two one zero seven eight. You can also listen to us live at www.blogtalkradio.com slash survive365. Again, that is www.blogtalkradio.com slash survive365. Either way, one of those numbers will get us. I already want you to 
Text 10 people that you know. 10 people, 10 people that you know. Text them that uh, call number. Tell them to tune in and let Kathy and I blow their minds away with this information. You hear me? Blow their minds away. Kathy, we're going to blow some minds today? We're going to blow some minds today. All right. So thank you, guys. Stay tuned. And we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. than diet and exercise. Much more. Join the journey to better quality of life. Here's today's My Spirit Fitness Wellness Moment with your host, Felisha Love. There's more to wellness than a good diet and exercise. Much more. My Spirit Fitness is about finding ways to live with less stress and create happiness while on the daily grind. Picture this. Wellness is like tasting an award-winning bowl of gumbo. We celebrate all of the joys by adding key ingredients to please the palate and warm the heart. My Spirit Fitness is a daily two-minute show. I call it edutainment, education, and entertainment. It helps people squeeze out the delicate joys of life to live longer and with more passion, youth, and creativity. Wellness doesn't have to be boring. Hi, I'm Felicia Love. I'm a multimedia professional, a wellness expert, and author of Brave Leap to Freedom, integrating mind, body, and spirit to cultivate healthy relationships. In these segments, I'll be teaching keys to yoga, meditation, healthy relationships, and how to become your own personal trainer. With the My Spirit Fitness Wellness Moment, I simply provide steps to inspire people to win at personal sustainability for our families and our communities. They depend on it. Let's face it, we can't wait on Obamacare. As your wellness strategist, the sky is a limit on relatable topics and healthy benefits Just like that prize bowl of gumbo, taste and presentation provide a perfect measure of bliss. My Spirit Fitness, covering all corners of wellness to help you balance career and family, relationships and quality life. Thank you for liking, following, sharing, Google Plusing, watching and listening to My Spirit Fitness. All right, welcome back, welcome back. Sometimes I rhyme slow, sometimes I rhyme slick. Today we're gonna be we're gonna rhyme slow today. It's one of those days, but we're gonna be slick with it too. We're gonna do both. Thank you again. Let's talk politics with Frederick Wilson and Kathy Taylor. I appreciate you being here. I know you could be anywhere else in the world, and uh, you choose to choose to spend a little time with Kathy and I as we uh, try our best to bring some history, bring some facts, some information, and uh, some some uh, entertainment, edutainment, what we call it. We mix it all together. And hopefully when we come out of this at the end of this hour, uh, we'll be better off than if you hadn't listened to us at all. 
But let's start off with a little history. We're going to do some his story, or we're going to do some history, Catherine. Which one it is? We're going to do his story first. We're going to do his story. <laughs> All right, go ahead and give us his story, Catherine. <laughs> All right. So, um, starting on um, this day in history, in 1841, John Tyler is inaugurated as the 10th president of the United States. Um, he was actually elected as vice president. Um, William Harrison was um, was elected as president. Tyler was his vice president. Um, he was elected in 1841, and a month after taking office, Harrison died, and then um, John Tyler became the 10th president of the United States. So in this day in history, John Tyler was inaugurated. All right. I'm going to throw a little black issue on the, on the go back and forth with it. Oh, you got another one? I had another one. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. In this day in history, in 1908, mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Purley reaches the North Pole. Why is that important? I can tell you why. Because his assistant, Matthew Henson, an African-American man, was with him, and he became the first African-American to reach the North Pole. You know what the question is? How do they know you the first one? Like, how do you know black folk ain't go before that and just ain't tell these white folk in their history books? Well, here's the thing. Too cold? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was going to oh, say. Go I was say, don't worry about it because while they actually said they were what they believed to be the North Pole, like decades after they died, they said, oh, you're actually off a little bit. Ah, Okay. So somebody else can remember. But I still, when they say, oh, this is the first person to do this, that, and the other, for some of these things, like, how do you know? You know, didn't we just say, is this his story? Oh, it's his story. That's true. This you is got his it. Story. It's right there. Okay. All right. All right. What else you got? Um, in this, oh, okay. Um, in this day in history, in 1917, um, the United States officially entered World War One. If you remember in 1914 when World War I first started, um, Woodrow Wilson was president, and he basically pledged that the United States would stay neutral. And we tried for a moment. <laughs> we actually lasted three years before we entered. So in this day in history, this is where um, President Wilson obviously got us into the war. Hmm. Why? Because he is outraged. Because they sunk an American vessel. The, Lus- the Lusitania? No, that was not an American vessel. Oh, that's true. What American vessel did they sink? It was uh, um, the William M. P. Fry. The William P. Fry. Yep. I remember William. You remember William? Mm. Y'all were good friends, weren't you? But best friends. <laughs> All right, what you got? All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's talk black women. All right. <laughs> I heard a lady say that. We're going to talk about it later on. Uh, let's see. This day in history, going to black history, black history, black history. Uh, Dred Scott case, very important. 1846, April 6, 1846, Dred Scott and his wife Harriet filed suit against Irene Emerson for their freedom. The Dred Scott case was first brought to trial in 1847 in the first floor West Ring courtroom of St. Of Louis Courthouse. Dred Scott was a black slave. Uh, from Missouri, who claimed his freedom on the basis of seven years of residence uh, in a free territory. So basically what happened is as a slave, uh, Dred Scott's uh, owner uh, was a a physician in the military, and uh, he was transferred 
from slave states unto free states. He was just doing a job. We know, like the military, they still you know travel and go different places. They re- reassign you. So his Dred Scott's uh, owner, if you will, master, whatever you want to call that joker, took Dred Scott to wherever he was going. And he spent seven years in free states, but he was acting as a slave. Uh, while there, uh, a number of people, uh, abolitionists, were saying, hey, you know what, Dred, you might have a case. You know, you might could get your freedom because, after all, there's no slavery here. So how could you be a slave in this place if there's no slavery? And since there is no slavery here, you're not a slave. When your used-to-be master leaves, let him go and you stay here. You would be real dumb to go back to a slave state after you come from a state where there's no slavery. Dred Scott was like, yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. They gassed him up real good, didn't they, Captain? They did. They did. Of course, Dred Scott's master was like, no, you coming with me. They filed a lawsuit, of course, because people were gassing him up. Other people wanted to get it done. They wanted to make it all legal. Took it to the court. Didn't work well. Took it all up to the Supreme Court. And guess what they said, Kathy? You are you are a slave, just like a, you are somebody's property, just like you are a horse. A person takes their horse with them wherever they go. It's still their horse if they're in Missouri. Is their horse if they're in Tennessee? Is their horse if they're in California? You still a horse. And if you a slave, you are slave nowhere you go. So guess what, Dred Scott? But the, the the bigger thing, just to say that part, the biggest thing is Kathy said is they said, guess what? You're not even a citizen. You, you're not a citizen, so we don't even need to be here in this case because Supreme Court cases are for citizens of the United States. You don't have that citizenship. So I, I'm, I'm just wondering, we just have this to let all you, 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 you uh, Negroes and you abolitionists that want to try this again and again, let it be known that you slaves are not citizens. Don't bother us with this again. Our decision is final. Supreme Court, the land of the law, right? It is, and that. Case, Dred Scott, mm-hmm. determined citizenship. Determined citizenship. And that's why it was very important. We had the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. Just tied in, make it just bring it all home. The 13th Amendment freed the slaves except for what due process of law. The 14th Amendment, which had to come after the 13th, gave uh, black folk to be the right to be citizens. So now you have some, some rights under the Constitution because just not being slaves doesn't mean you have any rights. So that 13th Amendment took away the slavery for Africans in, in, in perpetuity. The 14th Amendment gave the Africans and descendants the citizenship, and then you had to bring the 15th Amendment in to give Africans the right to vote, African men, I should say, gave them the right to vote. So all those tied in very important. But Dred, Dred Scott is uh, what really laid it down. So that was a little history on Dred Scott. How was that, Catherine? That was good. That was good? Mm-hmm. Look at me. I know a little something. I know one or two things. Look at me. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. We got something else going on in black history. What else happened in black history? Let me get back to my trusty testimony. Oh, Billy D. Williams was born. That's right. Y'all remember Billy D. Ladies was loving Billy D. Boy, he came down those steps in mahogany. Some of y'all ladies right now like, he right. <laughs> you right. Yeah, I look at mahogany. But do y'all know how old Billy D. is? Billy D. is old. You hear me? O-L. Old. Billy D. born in 1937. Billy D was born in 1937. Some of y'all really like it. Y'all probably born in 1937 too. But <laughs> it's all good. It's just a good thing. You can see in my voice you born in 1937, right? So, yeah, Billy D was born this day in 1937. Some of you youngsters might know him or in the 70s as Orlando Calrissian in, in, uh, in the Star Wars movies. And uh, he's done a few different things, but he was the man in the 60s and 70s, wasn't he? 
Billy D come around. Ladies, who you stopped traffic. What I heard. All right, but Billy D was born in Happy Birthday, Billy D. Is he still alive? He's still alive. Oh, I have to talk about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying because you don't hear nothing about him. Because he goes to your yes, children. What's he doing? Is he still doing Star Wars? <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm serious. He did. He did later Star Wars. Okay, I thought I saw him next to Chewbacca. Okay. Hey man, I'm getting paid. All right, what you got, Kevin? All right, so moving on. Okay. <laughs> All right, back to it. Kind of a little silly today. Um, you know what else happened today? No. Okay, so moving on to coronavirus. Oh, you want to get corona? Moving on. Okay, we're done with history. All right, let's talk about the corona. We all know what's happening with corona. Corona, 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 corona. It's all we talk about. Every time you turn on the news, there's something about the coronavirus. Every time you, you, you turn off the news, there's something about coronavirus. When you turn the radio on, something about coronavirus. No matter what you do, it's a coronavirus. And most of the things that they put on uh, that you hear is how many folk have died from the coronavirus, how many folk are now contagious. How many, I mean contagious. How many folk now have it? So we took a little look. I want to talk a little bit about it and say, is it, that's the question, is it as bad as people think? Yes. Is it as deadly as people think? Yes. Are we messing up as much as they say we are? Yes. All right, according to Catherine, three yeses. All right, break it down for us, Catherine. All right, so total corona, confirmed corona cases um, in the world is 1,342,480. In terms of deaths around the world, there's been 74,556 deaths. But if you look at the recovery, there's been 278,189 people recover from the virus. So that's almost four times as much, almost. Of people that's that's that living and dying. dying. So so far, about twenty five percent then of the people that have contracted it have come to the conclusion of no. death, while seventy five percent have come to the conclusion no. of still living. That have that have concluded so far. Those are only the cases that. So it wouldn't be if everybody that contracted. It'd be the ones the cases that have concluded. That's that. Oh, conclusions. Yeah. So it's either other ones. Some of them still have it. But from the 74,000 plus the 278,000, that's going to give you, what, uh, 300,000, 400,000 or so that have concluded out of the 1.3 million. Yeah. So that's going to give us 700,000 or so that, uh, well, 1.3, 400, that's going to be 900-some thousand or so that are still that still have it and they, they're still suffering with it. Right. If they haven't died nor have they recovered, we still, still don't know. So no. from that, again, from from what we know, seventy four thousand five hundred fifty eight have died, two hundred seventy thousand one hundred eighty nine are uh, have have uh, recovered. And and, and it's the funny thing about this coronavirus stuff is you get different, uh, we're getting different information, different statistics about the coronavirus. Uh, some people say that you know once you get it, you become immune to it. Then I've heard other doctors say no, they thought that, but it's not necessarily kind of like chicken pox. You know, most people think you can't get chicken pox twice, but you can get chicken pox twice. And you get shingles. You get chicken pox, that means you got shingles virus. So it's all kind of stuff. We're learning about the coronavirus as we go, which means the information and the things that we need to do uh, to protect ourselves is kind of be fluid then because some things we might say, like now, at first they said, hey, don't wear a mask, it's not going to work. Now they say, hey, everybody wear a yeah, mask. Yeah, because they were like, oh, only use the mask if you're sick. Yeah, now they're saying go ahead and get that. So, of course, masks are being cheated on and people get cheated on a mask we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, it's, it's 
you guys, we just got to be willing to listen. We got to, we got to be valuable. We got to be willing to bend and reflect uh, with the latest information. But before we go into the problem we have with that, though, is and we're going to talk about this, I guess, in a moment, is can we trust the information givers? That's a problem. But let's take a look at um, this coronavirus in different uh, cities and places. Uh, let's say the United Kingdom. This was just on uh, today on Channel 4 News. In the United Kingdom, uh, let's see, confirmed uh, cases of 51,608. The death from that is 5,373, and recovered is 135. Now, to me, that that is like I don't know what they're doing over in England, but that is like the total opposite of what's happening in other places. Only 135 people have recovered, but 5,373 have died. How is that possible? Yeah. That that number just doesn't seem right to me. But I'm just going with what I'm seeing on on the on the news. Let's go to China, China, China. But Kathy says she don't trust nothing come out of China anyway. <laughs> but this is what they this is what they're saying. Confirmed eighty one thousand seven hundred eight people, deaths three thousand three hundred thirty one, recovered seventy seven thousand seventy eight. Nah, I ain't gonna believe that because <laughs> one seventy seven thousand plus three hundred thirty one. These numbers are pretty much the total of confirmed. So everybody that's confirmed, according to these numbers, either, either everybody's confirmed is either recovered from it. Basically, they're saying that nobody right now pretty much has the virus and is still dealing yeah. with it. It has come to its conclusion, everybody. There is, evidently, there's no more coronavirus in China then. Please report it. Mm-hmm. Because these numbers pretty much add up to everybody they talked about. They either dead or they recovered. Okay, that's not, we're we going to throw that out. There you go again, China. France confirmed 98,010, deaths 8,911, recovered 17,250. I like those numbers. I mean, not if you one of those 8,911, mm-hmm. but the 17,250, which means at least twice as many people are living and dying, which is good. Let's take a look. In Germany, Woohoo! 102,024 confirmed. Deaths are 1,695. But his recovery number, Catherine, 28,700 have recovered. A whole lot more. We're talking about 1,695 have died, 28,700 have recovered. So that is a huge number. Uh, whatever they got going on in Germany, we might need to find out. We don't need to emulate England. Take a look at what Germany's got going on. I don't know what it is. And let's look at uh, Italy. 132,547 are confirmed. 16,523 deaths and 22,837 have recovered. Mm, too close to hand. We need some more people to recover. Come on now. Let's get. Let's bring some local stuff. Well, let's look at Spain. Last one, the big country. Spain. 135,032 confirmed. 13,169 dead, but 40,437 have recovered. So um, it's out there. Let's bring it home to the good old U.S. of A. Right here, Catherine. 362,573 confirmed. Deaths, 10,720. Recovered, 19,313. So we got almost twice as many as recovering that are dying, but still a whole lot. But we got 362,573. With New York, I think, is still the epicenter. It is. Okay. 
And we know why it is because New York is just so densely populated that you know it's it's easy to spread in those areas. So we uh, you guys up there in New York, New Jersey, and those little areas up there, please, please, please be careful because it's not good out there. Um, take care of your loved ones. You got anybody up there? Check on them. And, and Catherine, you from what New Jersey? Yep. So yeah, you call your people, check on them, all that mm-hmm. good stuff. Okay. All right. So. We got that. We want you to make sure you stay uh, stay protected, ladies and gentlemen. Definitely stay protected. But right right here, there's a survey. Were you about to say something? No. There's the, the, the survey that was done about how people feel about the coronavirus. And um, we can take it a couple of different ways that people are dealing with uh, the coronavirus. Let's go to Kathy's cousin. This is a, a first cousin. <laughs> First, because we know Uncle Kim Jong Un oh over in, in North go. Korea. Because you know Kathy, if you if you never, you probably haven't seen Kathy, but she's she's a uh, North Korean. I'm not North Korean. Uh, you can look at her. You can, see her, you can see it in her eyes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, Kathy's cousin is a uh, uh, Philippine president Rodrigo Duterte. Say that right. And and we know that Kathy's uh, real close to this guy because you said that you got some Dutertes in your family. <laughs> That's not what you said? That's not the same thing, no. You don't have anybody with the last name? No. You're lying? No, I'm not. Okay, all right. Spell differently. I'll spell differently. Okay, <laughs> so close no. enough. That's how they do, because you know things disappear. But um, the president of the Philippines, uh, Duterte, said um, about the people that are not uh, following uh, the lockdown, because they have a lockdown in the Philippines, kind of like we have over here, but I was just kind of a little more mild. If you're not familiar with the uh, Filipino president Duterte, <laughs> we've talked about him. We talked about a couple of years ago, but he was the one that, uh, when it came to drug dealers, he was allowing uh, them to be shot on the spot, even by citizens. Yep. Just no shoot them dead and say no trial, nothing. You catch somebody <laughs> selling drugs, take your gun out and shoot, shoot them right there. Just literally, like shoot them right there, and you're not gonna get charged because after all, you're doing society a public service by getting these drug dealers out of our community. And we had him where he was, you know, drug dealers were getting killed, but also sometimes some innocent folk got killed. Yep. But that was his motto. But that's not all that he's known for. He's also known for rape, well, at least promoting it. Yes. Yes, indeed. Same as should have went first. A couple of years ago, a, a Australian reporter was over in the Philippines, and she was reporting on Filipino news, and she got raped. She got gang raped by some Filipino men. And they caught the guys, and Duterte was, in, in a speech about it, uh, he was saying that she was pretty and she looked like, uh, had pretty blonde hair, and she looked like she could be a movie star or, or make a doll after or whatever. And he said the only problem he had was that they should have let him go first. Yep. And the crowd giggled as he said that. Yeah. So I, I don't know, like, how that works. But he's still the president, <laughs> and uh, you can look that up. That was just fact. He should have gone first, ladies and gentlemen. Not that you yeah, should have raped this chick. Yeah, you video. Yeah, yeah. Not that you shouldn't have raped this lady. It's just that you 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 went out of turn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, the president goes first. It ain't no fault in my home. He can't have none. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm pretty sure she was ticked at that. I don't know what Australia had in response to that, but okay. So uh, back to now. What Duterte says is that uh, for people who are defying the lockdown that he put in order to uh, in order to flatten the curve, as they say in America, for the, the death of this disease and, and hurry up, we can wipe it out or er, eradicate it or bring it down enough so we can 
get our economy going again. He says, um, tell the police and the military to kill the citizens <laughs> who defy the lockdown. That's right, kill them. Yeah, I guess they just like drug deals. Anybody else? They're destroying society. I told you to go home. I told you the reasons why. If I catch you out on the streets, I have instructed the military and the police to kill you. So you'll you'll walk and stroll outside. Might be your last stroll. Like you say, you can walk over here, but you're gonna limp back. All right. <laughs> we gonna carry you back. <laughs> uh, carry you back or something. We shooting. And, hey, two to the chest, one to the head. I don't know how they're going to do it. But those are the instructions in the Philippines. Now, what would that be like if they gave instructions here? I guess that block party would have been a mass shooting. Yes. Wow. And and the beach down in Miami when they were partying on the kids? Yeah, when they were doing Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah, the black party was in Jacksonville. Yeah, but so was the beach. Yeah. That's how it was Oh, yeah, yeah. So it would not be a good thing. I guess it's. We gonna we're not gonna vote Duterte in. But people say anything is better than Trump. Would, would Duterte be better no, than Trump? Not. I mean, they right there together, but no. But Trump in there would everybody get shot down in the streets now. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't say let me go first. He only has the best plans. He got exactly. He's the best plans surrounded by the best people. Boom. Okay. Well that's what's happened with Duterte. You All right, so um there was a poll um recently where um the University of North Florida actually call, um, did a poll where they were trying to find out how um, citizens felt about um, the response, the government response to the coronavirus. Um, with this poll, what they found out is when they looked at actually Jacksonville first, um, it, 70% of the citizens polled believed that the local government did a lot better in handling the coronavirus virus or handling the coronavirus than the state or the federal government. So in Jacksonville, 70% of um, the people approved of the job that Mayor Lenny Curry did, um, while only 24 disapproved. But then when they looked at the state government and they started talking about um, how they felt about how DeSantis um, did, he only had a 51% um, approval um, rating. 40% 40% disapproved of what he was doing. And then when it goes to Trump, um, 45% of people approve of what Trump is doing to um, address the coronavirus pandemic, while 53 disapproved. So if you see it from both people are trust the local government much more than they um, trust um, the federal it, government. Yes. And they also said this poll also polled other people in different places. And what they're finding out is that they, this is true around the different states. Right. That it makes most sense. people are, more, are happier with their local government. That makes sense. Cause, and, and a lot of people don't notice. We talk about this on the show a lot. But more control over your lives is done on the local level than on the federal level. So you definitely have to pay attention to local politics. And maybe people get that. Maybe people understand that. Or maybe people understand. And maybe they approve or disapprove because they actually have a greater feel for what's going on in their city as opposed to what's what the president and Congress is doing, like we're here in Jacksonville, Florida, where they're talking about what they should do over in Idaho or what they should do, you know, over in, over in New Mexico, which really doesn't phase us too much right now as we're all in the lockdown. So, I mean, it makes sense. And I'm, I'm glad that a lot of people are happy with their local government. Hopefully they're participating and uh, just not saying yes, just because, but that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. You think, you think that the citizens are happy, happy with Duterte? Probably not. Probably not. I don't know. They keep voting them in. They do. Well, do they? 
I mean, is it really their choice to vote with me? But I haven't heard any, you know, nobody screaming. I haven't read you, it. In the... You think somebody's going to come out and talk hey. about it in his country? Yeah, that's it. That's right. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, so okay, so one of the things I wanted to talk about is some oh. of the complaints people have had during, um, when we're looking at things that have happened because of the coronavirus. So many, um, you know, because most states now, I think all but eight states have um, stay-at-home orders. So with all of that, there are so many people that are out of work. Because if you have a job like in a restaurant industry or a server or something, they no longer have those positions anymore. So you're out of work. Um, so what do you do? Exactly. What do you do on the stay-at-home order? So because of that, we, you know, uh, article, uh, an article came out where they were talking about how bad the unemployment rate is in the whole country <clears throat> and then in Florida. And one of the things that they talked about with um, this is that a lot of people who are trying to um, apply for unemployment in Florida had a huge problem. One, the website that was developed for unemployment kept crashing. So most of the people could not even file um, unemployment. Yeah, I see people on Facebook, and I said, how do I get through? How do I get through? I've been trying for days, so it's it's serious. So that system that was supposed to do um, unemployment was um, created under Rick Scott, when Rick Scott was governor. Yeah. Um, and it cost 70, it's like almost $78,000 million to mm-hmm. make this website. That has been a total failure. Um. So that's one of the big complaints is that we basically got cheated. <laughs> right. So basically what people are saying is it was designed that way by Rick Scott to to artificially make the numbers look better. And now that it's put to the test, is crashing. So basically saying it's $77.9 million for a website that doesn't work and it was designed to deceive um, deceive the Floridians and the American people because they're bragging how great that, of course, it's an opinion, of course, because they said it's what it was designed to do. Um, it was uh, one of his advisors was uh, was saying, basically, uh, one of the Santa's advisors, excuse me, said it was a, a blank sandwich. It was designed that way by Scott. It wasn't about saving money. It was about making it harder for people to get benefits or keeping benefits so that the unemployment numbers were low to give the governor something to brag about. Republican Party Florida Chairman Joe Bruders was more succinct. He said $77 million. Some people should go to jail for that. Now, this is unusual when you when we have this situation because usually Republicans don't come out and talk about Republicans like that. Yeah. But now here's the key, too. I wonder if they, if they felt this way. Did they feel this way or know about it? I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. But while they were – while DeSantis was running for governor, because as a Republican and he's running as a Republican – uh, from a Republican governor, the numbers are looking good. I'm sure he was like, hey, keep a Republican in office because look how great the numbers are. Cause I remember them bragging about the unemployment rate. I remember Rick Scott bragging about the unemployment rate. I didn't hear anybody saying, you know, these numbers are lies. But I didn't hear, I didn't hear the uh, – I don't think I did. Maybe I did. I'll look up uh, of what uh, the Gillum side was saying. I don't know if they said that or not about the artificial numbers and, and will designed to – make things look differently, but that's that's the question. Is they dogging them out now, but did they use those same numbers to help them get elected? You ever thought of that? They probably did. You say probably <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
So if they said people should go to jail, I want to be going to say something to, to Rick Scott. We already know what Rick Scott is. He's up in D.C. So we, we'll see. Rick Scott's up in D.C. You, you can come get him. He's up making decisions for us right now with the coronavirus <laughs> and unemployment. So uh, I don't know. That's that's a heavy charge against somebody. Uh, let's get, we got a phone call. Uh, who we got? It's Todd on the main line. Let's see. Todd, welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, Kathy, hey, Fred. As teachers, as teachers, how is it? Kathy, you so rarely speak to me when I first call in, and now Fred ain't talking. Anyway. <laughs> oh, you didn't so, hear me? Uh, I said, what's up? Oh, okay. I, caught, I didn't catch that. That was a delayed reaction in my brain. But I but I definitely caught okay. Kathy saying something because Kathy don't usually say something initially. Anyway, how's it affecting yeah, y'all as happy teachers? How's it affecting y'all as teachers and the other teachers that you know? It is... Um, for me, it's just getting adjusted to not seeing the kids daily and uh, getting adjusted to doing more online, but I, I, I kind of like it in the sense that it gives me some more freedom. It's, it's saving me gas and time. Like I, I get up 15 minutes before class starts <laughs> and just get out of bed and go get a computer and log on, and I'm in there. As long as, you know, I got my lesson plans, everything ready. I know what I'm going to say, so it's just easy just to do that. Because normally my ride is 30, 35-minute ride to work. So I'm good on that perspective. Again, it saves time, but it is some adjustment. But I, I think that um, in the grand scheme of things, it's better if we had, for a lot of kids, it's better if we had the, the, the interaction with the kids. What do you think, Kevin? I don't really, I'm sorry. For me, I taught online before. So it's not an adjustment. It's actually easy for me to it was for me to go back to it. Um, I think it's more so for adjustment for my students who are not used to taking classes online and them getting used to that, you know, different format and things like that. But I guess yeah, I mean it's going good for me. A lot of the parents, a lot of the parents are around now when they're when they're dealing with you directly, as opposed to when they're dealing with you in the classroom and the parents aren't anywhere around. Are you getting a better feel of um, attentiveness and discipline from the kids? No. no. <laughs> okay. But I know I know I can I'm a, I know we ought to ask for a raise soon. This over if I know these parents appreciate us more. Because <laughs> most of these parents like I can't teach these kids. I can't teach my own kid. A lot of parents say that I can't teach my own kid. Or now they realizing that it is. And people think teaching is is a cake job, and especially new teachers. They think you just you just go in and all the kids are happy and excited, and you just get up there and speak, and they sit there and listen to you like pearls of wisdom are dropping out of your mouth, and, and they're excited about everything, but then you get around the real world like, no, we got kids with from all walks of life, and we have to deal with whatever sent, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have kids with great parents and great homes that appreciate education and are very involved, all the way down to kids from broken homes, terrible homes, abuses, and rapes, and drugs, and neglect, foster homes bouncing back and forth to this place to that place, and they bring it all to the classroom. They're angry, they're hurt, they're lost and confused. And then if you got middle schoolers, they're going through puberty and all the stuff that comes with that. And and as teachers, we do it. So I think that we got a, a greater appreciation, at least we should be getting a greater appreciation from these parents, especially from the Facebook memes <laughs> that we see out there. So it's a, uh, it's a double-edged sword, and I talk to my students uh, in the classroom, it's it's easier to deal with. It's easier for them to stay on task because you got to you have a teacher or two, depending on who's in, what kind of class you have. You might have a teacher and an assistant, uh, somebody going to push you into something, was saying, "Hey, keeping everybody in line, stay on task." 
You know, you're getting off task. Let's, let's get back to work. Stay focused. Stop talking. Or that type of thing. But when they're at home, it's a double-edged sword. Is when they get off task, no one's there to get them on task a lot of times. When they, they turn that TV on and get lost in the TV, they get sleepy and put their head down or go lay down, and next thing you know, it's two or three hours later, and they want to do something else. So it's uh, it, it, it's got its ups and downs, but I prefer, I prefer a classroom with, 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 with the type of students that, that I deal with. I noticed that the carryout places that I go to that are franchised, the um, quality of food has improved drastically. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Yes, the orders are not wrong. The the food comes out plenty hot and correct. Wow. And I, I'm questioning to what degree I should ever go to carry out again because it's going to go back to normal, which I didn't really, which before it was normal to me, was actually like it is now. <laughs> you know? I never I never noticed that. No hard. Have you noticed that? No hard, crusty Popeye's chicken is is flaky and correct, <laughs> you know. I don't have okay. to go back. I don't have to go back and ask for where are my biscuits. I ordered more than one biscuit, and well, I have. They a, make it make it right because they don't want you coming back breeding that Rona on them. Maybe, maybe <laughs> so, maybe so. He's coming on the door, coughing and stuff all over. They like get it right, or he gonna come back. I'm friends with a small group of people. I don't use the word friend loosely, as you often hear me say. I'm friends with a small group of people that have carryouts, and two people that run, uh, one runs a McDonald's franchise, and the other one runs a Wendy's franchise. And they both told me they're making money hand over fist. They don't have to deal with the diners. They don't have to keep people. Um, I don't. I'm not assuming they're, they're representative of everybody. I'm just speaking for what they've told me. They don't have to keep right. up with the dining room. They don't have to keep up with cleaning up the bathroom. The um, front counter people aren't rotating back and forth, you know, yeah. because it's only the drive-through. And the friend that I'm, the friend that has a two-lane McDonald's for the drive-through, it's like this one he's coming in have a hand over fist. And my boy Lindy up in Chicago, who runs a carryout, which is just a carryout, it's not a franchise or anything like that. He started making deliveries as long as people understand there's not going to be any um, refund. He's like, he's making plenty of dough. In fact, he said, yeah. this, he said if this holds up, this fiscal quarter, which just started this month, is going to be better than the last fiscal quarter, which was okay. And I, he, Well, you like, know, people always make money in crisis depending on what you're doing. There's always yeah. money to be made. Yeah. I would. The vast majority of us aren't saying that. That's the problem. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. I would like to see how this is going to work out when this they they they're putting two trillion dollars into the economy. They're just printing money, and there's a lot of folks that are going to get some of this. There are a lot of people that are making under seventy five grand that are still working. So this twelve hundred dollars they're going to get is going to be a bonus to them. And if there's yeah. and these lifeline to me, guy dog. <laughs> there's going to be life. This group that I'm Give about me my to money. This group that I'm about to describe to you exists. There's probably a bunch of 18 and 20 year olds that have started their little investment group when they were in college and things like that. And now, hypothetically, you got 10, 18 year olds who didn't, who have some expendable income, some disposable income, and they basically got 12 grand in their investment group, and they're gonna they're gonna dump it into some really cheap stocks and do okay on the back end of this. And the same thing for the people that have a whole lot of money that um are looking yeah. to buy companies that they know are going to bounce back. But um, I, I, question, yeah, I question what the federal government has done on two things. 
they 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 deliver the prejudice to people who are behind on their child support. They're holding them to a standard that they're not holding anybody else to, and they don't know what's going on in those people's lives. This is not the time. Well, here's the question. So they they're not giving it to the parent, the other parent. They're just not giving it to them. It's not clear to me that they're giving it to the other parent, but if they were giving it to the other parent, that's wrong. That money should go to the person it was going to go to in the first place. There are people, there are people that have multiple reasons. Groups of people, large. We're talking about a group of over twenty-something million people that are paying into the child support system or are ordered to pay into the system. And there's multiple reasons as to why people are behind. You know, there's some folks are are behind because they've been. They've been verified as not being the father of those children. That happens. And that there's like 600,000 of those cases a year. Easy. Some people are behind because they got laid off themselves. You know, some people are behind because the order was unjust. You know, there's, some, there's people that are ordered to pay like $5,000 a month for a healthy, normal child that said, I don't care what the court said. I'm going to give you two grand a month because I know what's going on. So now they're behind. You know, and they, they're assuming, they're operating on the assumption that everybody behind is the stereotypical person that's behind. But the actual stereotypical person that's behind is not representative of the majority of the people that are behind. And that's the truth. I got to see those stats because I know, I know a whole lot of women with some old deadbeat daddies. I bet you never you, got their money. I bet you if you added them up. The number of women that you know, just in, if it's in the county that you live in right now. I'm going to need one of Texas instrument calculators. <laughs> well, I'm saying if you added it up, if you look at the actual number of people that are in the system that are paid to order, you'll see the number of people that you know are minute, very minute, just in the county okay. that you're in. And then there's I want other, y'all to do that. If you got a deadbeat ex-husband or father of your kids, clap your hands. Ex- or ex-wife or mother of your children because they're in there too. Yeah, or ex-wife or mother of your kids because it ain't all this men that's not paying child support. So, I mean, that, that, that's something that maybe, I, I agree with you, maybe have some kind of discernment, but the, the federal government, we don't have time to go through that discernment and go through each case and figure out right. so just give them the money. Why, so. Right, so just give them the money. Give them the money in the same way you're going to give the money to people that and aren't paying their mortgage. What they, and trust that they're going to keep doing what they sh- haven't been doing? They still might be in they still might be in dire straits, Fred. Just in the same way somebody, be. just in the same way that somebody is paying. Kids in dire straits. I mean, we can go back and forth. Like we don't, could we don't be in know dire straits. The point, the point been, that I'm making, the point that I'm making is we don't know. In the same way we exactly. don't know that the people, that we don't know that the people ain't paying their mortgage, or paying their rent, or paying their car note, or anything else. We don't know what these people situation are. That's why the money's been flooded into the economy, and you shouldn't hold yeah, one group to a standard. You shouldn't hold one group to a standard that you're not holding everybody else to. I know people for sure are going to take that money and get drunk, get high, get caned out. I know they're going to do it, but they're getting it. And I know, this, I know at least one dude right now who shot up some folks in Washington, D.C. and is out on bail. He's going to get it. He's going to get his $1,200. And I want, I question is, now i got a question for you. Do, you. do you think that it's fair that pregnant women should be able to get $500 for these because they're pregnant? No. I do. Even though these even though the even though these undelivered children do not have social security numbers, they're verified the 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 mother could verify that she's pregnant. There should be $500 for that woman. They pay the well, money to the mother. Born. What if that baby what if that baby ain't born? What if she take that money and and decide to have an abortion? 
if she has an abortion and they can everybody's on the honor system right now. In the same way you know this ain't an honorable place though. Yeah, we just talked well, about deadbeat dads and moms. Well, <laughs> so this I'm saying, ain't honor. I'm saying <laughs> that I'm saying that if I'm saying that that money is needed for that offspring in the same way that money is needed born for the alive, offspring. Okay, the, that baby's born alive, then apply for it. The baby's but alive right now. Then. The baby's alive right now. No, I now. said born alive. That's why I said born alive. Birth starts as conception, Fred. That's if, no, the, I, if, the living, if, if the living cells, living is the operative word here, if the living cells from the father combine with the living cells from the mother and start generating a third-party living cell that has a male or female gender established within 72 hours of conception, that is that is a person on the way. And if she can verify that when they get here, give, give her the all money. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, when they get here, give her the money. But before that, for all we know, she and he or she by herself is already planning on having an abortion. Well, but now they're saying, oh, I can just go and say I got a check. I just wait to get my five hundred dollars and then go have the abortion. So they, you don't get the money until you show me that you really plan on taking care of this child. When this baby comes out of the womb alive, you get your five hundred dollars. I don't know, man. I, I ain't with that because she may have gotten late. Okay. She may be, she may be, she may be five months in right now. She's five months pregnant, and she got laid off, and she got to, and she's still trying to make it. I'm like, nah. She got twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> give her, give her two thousand. You need to combine that with her baby daddy. That's another twelve hundred dollars. That's twenty four hundred dollars. They ought to make something work with that. And then in five months, or you say in four months, she'll get another five hundred dollars when that baby's born alive. But if so, she was making, I mean, if we, she we, was making, if she was making more than seventy five, if she was making more than ninety nine grand before she got laid off, she ain't getting twelve hundred dollars. But if she was making more than ninety nine grand and that baby was born, she'd get the five hundred. Think about it, man. But ain't nobody getting over ninety nine grand, so it don't even matter, right? But the debate if you're if you're making ninety nine grand or more, you're not getting twelve hundred dollars. But if it doesn't matter exactly. how much you're making, if you have a child under eighteen, they don't care how much you're making. The child's gonna get it. So, so the child gets five hundred dollars. get it too. The no, nah, the parents gonna okay. get it for the child. So should the pregnant daddy get it, or what? The baby gonna live with the daddy? I mean, you go back and forth. But I see what you're saying. I yeah, disagree. Yeah. I say once the baby is born. Where you at? Where you at with that, Kathy? Um, I'm yeah. The baby would have to be born. Okay. Well, I hate to say it, but I'm with Fred on this one. She hates to be right. It's just... <laughs> I'm just saying the federal government needs to think it through a little bit more. So, having said that, I don't want to yeah. hog the whole broadcast because I know what y'all was going to talk about something else. So I'll go back. Yeah, we to got listening. a couple things. All right, I appreciate you calling in, though, Todd. Yep. All right, all right, all right. All right, what we got next? You know, um, something that kind of took off when we talk about the coronavirus, um, and we talked about um, who, who's the prime minister? He's on life support, right? Yeah, he's in ICU. He's a, excuse me, he's in ICU. And what's his name, Catherine? Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson, the prime minister over there of the UK. Yeah, so he had gone into the hospital yesterday. Um. And then just a day after saying, you know, hey, I'm in the hospital, but I'm in good spirits, and they were talking about he was still running the country from the hospital, just 24 hours later, he had been upgraded to or downgraded to ICU. That's rough right there. Yeah. And so, again, we do know people are dying, so we just got to be, we got to be, got to be safe. So um, <clears throat> the other day, an engineer in Los Angeles um, intentionally, on purpose, 
<laughs> derailed a um, speeding train at the port of Los Angeles. You might ask yourself, why? Okay, why did he purposely derail this train? Because he was trying to crash into the Navy hospital um, ship, the Mercy. And why would he be trying to crash a train, that's kind of creative, into a hospital ship? Um, because he said he was suspicious um, about the, why the Navy hospital was actually docked there and if they were actually um, helping during the coronavirus. So he was suspicious about it. So in order to quell his suspicions, crashing a train into the hospital would answer all those questions. I guess so. That was his plan. He didn't actually make it. He did um, crash the um, train. He did read the train. Look at that picture of it. <laughs> through a series of bad um, barriers. barriers and fences, and then came to rest like 250 yards from the ship. So he was always there. Nobody was hurt. Eduardo Moreno, that was his name, 44 years old, charged with one kind of train wrecking. Uh, not immediately known if he had an attorney, according to the reports. The affidavit states the affidavit states Port Police reviewed video footage from the train train's cab, which showed the locomotive nearly moving at a fast clip before crashing through several barriers and nearly hitting at least three cars. A second video shows Moreno and the cab holding a lighted flare. That's what the document alleges. So I'm wondering, is he kind of cuckoo? Um, Marino acknowledged in two separate interviews with law enforcement that he intentionally derailed and crashed a train near the Mercy, which is the name of the, the ship, according to the criminal complaint. You only get this chance once. The whole world is watching. I had to, Marina told investigators, according to the complaint. People don't know what's going on here. Now they will. Mm. Moreno said he was suspicious of the Mercy and believed it had an alternate purpose related to COVID-19 or a government takeover in affidavit states. Moreno stated that he acted alone and had no pre-planned and had, excuse me, had not pre-planned the attempt. Evidently, you didn't because you 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 fell a couple hundred yards short. But again, I I wonder, like, what if we just charge? I don't know. I guess he don't get off on much. Did I charge you like 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 with with attempted murder? Like, but this could be like just not attempted murder. But they just said just attempted crashing plane. But his intent was to hit. A Navy ship with hospital ship. hospital ship with people in it. If you hit somebody with a train, you're trying to kill them. Something's going. Something. On. Okay. All right. Just checking. All right. All right. So, anything else on that? We done with COVID nineteen. I think we're done with the COVID nineteen. All right. Just um. I want you guys again just to be safe out there. Come on, we're going to talk about some other things. I'm tired of COVID, COVID, COVID all day long. We know we got we got the lockdowns coming, and and we know that um, we know that uh, this is supposed to be the peak week. And I don't know how they came with this number this time, but peak week when when the peak of people getting sick or getting con- or guess showing symptoms of this COVID nineteen is supposed to happen this week, according to according to our government officials. So just be careful out there. Yeah, All right. You know the Surgeon General was saying that this is going to be our nine eleven our Pearl Pearl Harbor Pearl Harbor. Okay, so protect yourself. But going on, everything is not to be sad because we do have a celebration going on and just happening right there in the great state of Mississippi. Mississippi, M I crooked letter, crooked letter I, crooked letter, crooked letter I, humpback, humpback I. 
All right, Kathy, tell us what happened in, in the great state of Mississippi. All right, the great state of Mississippi, the governor actually um, celebrated Confederate Heritage Month. Yes, indeed, Confederate Heritage Month. That's right, Confederate. What's Confederate? What? What's Confederate? What's a Confederate? Confederate. We talking about you talking about the Civil War? You talking about the North against the South? The war between the states? It wasn't really a civil war because they separated. The war between the states. Confederates were the ones in the South that had slaves. Well, North had slaves too, but the ones that were really promoting slavery more than the North was that they try and cover up the history and act like the North didn't have slaves even during the Civil War, but that's another topic. But go ahead. What happened? Catherine, that was was leading me into it. Go ahead. What happened? All right. What I was saying is that... I'm sorry. The the governor of Mississippi is celebrating the Confederate Heritage Month. So in order to make his Mississippians feel good during this lockdown period, Mm -hmm. the only thing he could do is give them something to celebrate. He signed that proclamation. And he signed the proclamation um, declaring that April is Confederate Heritage um, Month. And what's the Confederate Heritage Month mean? Like, what what is it? You're um, celebrating the Confederacy and the people who served and died in the war. And and should we all be happy? Evidently, everybody in Mississippi should. All the Negroes in Mississippi. He got a he got a set on him, don't he? <laughs> I mean, he got a set on him to be just wow in 2020. But the, but the article said quietly. But that don't look quiet. But if it's doing, they put it on Facebook. Kind of say, and, they had, and if he's doing a proclamation, but that had to go through their Congress, didn't it? It had to go through their state no. legislature. That's like his executive order. Okay, who read it? He don't, have to, he don't have to do it. But, who, but it had to be read so much so everybody oh. knows it's an executive order. He got to tell the people that it's his yeah, executive order. So it, it's got to be read in Congress. No, he doesn't have to. Well, who knows it then? He just he doesn't have to get it doesn't have to be read to them. Again, if they don't read it to him, who knows? Who did he tell them? Go ahead, tell me. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Whereas April is what does this say? It's the month when in eighteen sixty one the American Civil War began between the Confederates and the Union armies. Reportedly the uh, reportedly the conflict and a deadliest war ever fought on the American soil, where the state law declared last Monday in April Confederate Memorial Day a legal holiday to honor those who served in the Confederacy, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. In 2020, this joker is celebrating the Confederacy. Now, we talked about this before. This is like one of the only United States and these, these folk in the South are really one of the only few people that Celebrate the losers of the war. Who who actually celebrates the losers of wars? Besides America. Yeah, it's crazy. But okay. Anything else on that? One other thing too, before we we shut this thing down, and I want y'all to talk about this. I was looking. There's a lady. I just opened up a big topic where you guys discuss it amongst your friends. That this guy. This is from the Grio. If you guys are familiar with that, um, with that news outlet, if you will, the Grio, G R I O. This professor says that straight black men are the weak link in our community. This guy right here, this this guy that wrote this article, just just YouTube it. Professor says straight black men are the weak link in our community. 
and um, he's a professor, and he writes for the Grio, and they were coming in response to uh, what was going on with, with uh, Andrew Gillum, and he was basically saying, give this guy some support. Everybody should be free to make some, you know, to have some mistakes and all this, and people just jump on him because he's black, and white men get, get breaks and all this. He was white. We wouldn't be doing it like this. So get a black man a chance to, to make his mistakes and find himself again and come on back. But he came back and said, this is the guy that wrote the article, but he said that straight black men are the bit of problem in the, in the community. Now, he is a professor, and he's he's uh, he's admitted that he's a gay guy, and um, I guess he says gay black men are, are are more of a backbone, more pillars of setting the example better than than straight black men because the straight black men are, are the weakest ones. So we're not as good as the black women, the gay women, anybody else. It's the straight black man. Where did he come from? Who made him, and who made his mama? And his daddy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, we're gonna, I want you guys to, to look that article up. Don't agree, oh, but just look it up. It's again, straight black men are the weakest part of our community, basically. So I'm gonna leave y'all with that because that that kind of gave me. I, I looked it up. It's a long time we're going to, but it kind of looked like a little bad taste in my mouth. And 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 it goes to push, as I say, the 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 LGBTQ hidden agenda of destroying the, the family. For him to come out now and say that basically we, we're the ones that we don't need and we need to change. But without us, you couldn't even be here because what y'all do, you don't make babies. You got to adopt. Mm. Okay. I'm just checking because I really kind of ticked off of that joker. But um, let's go ahead and wrap it up, Catherine. What did we talk about today? We talked about the coronavirus, which is the what everybody's talking about. We talked about how um, most people around the country are actually um, – happier with the local government's response than the state or their um, federal government's response. Mm-hmm. couple things in history. Whose birthday was today? Billy D. Billy D. Billy D. We's birthday today. This is the, the start of the Dred Scott decision. Uh, we had the first black man, according to his story, that went to the North Pole today. Um, we talked about uh, Kathy's uh, first cousin, uh, President Duterte, over in the Philippines, saying kill folk that – that uh, violate the uh, violate the um, ordinance to stay in. Um, we talked about what else we talk about. Todd came on and asked a few questions. Appreciate that from you, Todd. We talked about a couple of things the government and how teachers are, are doing now, and even asked about this child supporting situation with that. We had a couple of good questions. I wish some other folk would have pressed that one button and uh, participated, but that's all right. Um, we just ask you guys just to be safe. It's, we still it's still going on. We're still in the midst of this virus. Uh, be safe and protect yourself. Um, don't congregate. I know it's boring, but it's a good time that you can do some self-reflecting. If you want to learn some stuff online, it's a good time to do that. It's a good time to read and, and you show binge watch on Netflix or whatever else streaming service you might have. And d- don't be like Kathy and get somebody else's passcode and stuff. But uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but it, you, I mean, it's a lot of things. It gets boring, but it's a lot of things you can do. And I, I joked about getting fatter. I got to find a way to get some exercise because. And yeah, my pants about to pop at the scene. But um, thanks again for tuning in. Let's talk politics with Frederick Wilson and Kathy Taylor. We appreciate you tuning in. As always, uh, think critically and get involved with your family, with your community, and definitely your country. You guys have a great week and be safe. Take care of each other.